Hey there, everybody. This is Scott Grimes. I play Gordon Malloy on the Orville, and you are listening to the Planetary Union Network Orville Fan Podcast. Dig it! This is Geek Punk. A Google Media Production. Hello, welcome to Planetary Union Network, the Orville Fan Podcast. I'm Dan Taylor, and with me, as usual, Michael May. How are you, sir? I'm doing so awesome. So awesome. So very awesome. And Joe Quickle, are you so awesome? I, I'm I'm actually very much so awesome. Maybe better than so awesome. <laughs> Well, I think uh, our guests will put your so awesomes to shame. Uh, we have with us JP from the Egotastic Fun Time. JP, you are how awesome? Hey, no. I'm pretty darn awesome. My mom told me so, so I know it's true. All right. Um, so we invited JP on because he has an extremely fun and extremely... Um, one of a kind podcast, the Egotastic Fun Time. Actually, it's a video cast, and now it's a podcast as well. It just started last week. And on this uh, video cast and podcast, you cover the Orville with Talking the Orville, correct? That is true. You, you I, I do Talking the Orville and Egotastic Fun Time on YouTube. And uh, well, actually, the channel is Egotastic Fun Time. Um, and then I also just started the Egotastic Fun Time podcast, which always has some Orville news uh, in each episode to share. Your enthusiasm, your enthusiasm for the Orville is second to none. I think is that safe to say? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's safe to say. I'm, I'm pretty enthusiastic about it. More enthusiastic about it than I am about most things. And uh, that um, I'm somewhat enthusiastic about. <laughs> and you tend to find the little bit, bits of information that the rest of us don't find as quickly about the Orville. What are your sources? How do, how how are you on the cutting edge of the Orville news? Uh, well, I have someone in I have someone in the FBI that helps me out a little bit. Uh, no, that's I guess I can tell you that's a joke. Okay. Yeah, and they don't. Yeah, they, <laughs> uh, basically, some of <laughs> they don't know anything about the Orville. Uh, I got all the information. Uh, uh, first off, there's a thing called the Internet. Um, I, I look upon its information and see what I can find. But the biggest uh, help to me is actually Mustic Fun Time Twitter page, which I have uh, set up at Egotastic FT. FT, I have it set up, which is a hub for Orville information. It's always come through. So. If I just happen to look upon it, boom, there's just tons of information. If, if anything hits, so I, I'm just usually up and on it when it comes to Orville stuff just by looking at my Twitter page. Oh, so you're getting the information from us, from what we tweet then. And I make stuff up. Okay, good, good. You, well, you and thousands of other people. <laughs> 
Um, Across Twitter, everybody's talking about the Orville. It's it's that great, you guys. So, and we're in between seasons right now. So they're we're on a hiatus. Uh, things are getting prepped up, ready for season two. We've got some information on that coming up. But before we delve into what's coming up, we want to take a look at what we had last season. And every, each each of us, all four of us, um, we're going to throw out an episode that we uh, found. Maybe we'll go ahead and call it our favorite from the first season. And uh, have a discussion on each episode, just a real quick. And we're going to start with our guest, JP. Your favorite episode was the one that wrapped up the first season, correct? Yeah, my favorite episode uh, is Mad Idolatry, which was episode 12 of season one that we were uh, privileged to see. It used to be, uh, my favorite episode used to be episode four, If the Stars Should Appear. Mad Idolatry has a little bit of that same feel, both episodes just have a certain thing that hits me personally, which is that's, you know, an away mission where we actually get, it's kind of like a what if episode. What if people were in this situation? In Mad Idolatry, the case was what if there were a world, a society on where, you know, it was still, I guess, what was it? Not quite the Stone Age, maybe the Bronze Age. Uh, uh-huh. And Kelly... And uh, what was it? Gordon and Isaac um, show up, and Kelly has an, an interaction with one of the little girl. A uh, little girl. Uh, Kelly helps her out a little bit, and then gets out of there. But the people see her, and every eleven days, that planet returns to our universe. So eleven days later, the planet uh, Kelly goes back to the planet, and we find out that an in- was formed on that little interaction that Kelly had. So it's kind of like a prime directive episode. Where, you know, how do other another world, other people's actions and the consequences from that? So over, we actually end up seeing two thousand years of this civilization's. Uh, they're believing in uh, Kelly as a deity the entire time, and it was kind of great to see. You know, has gone. So it was a great commentary on religion without being in your face about oh, religion bad. It was just mostly commenting human uh, go towards you know the supernatural. So that's this type of episode that speaks to me that excites me what if scenario and it's a great episode i agree jp i thought that uh mad ideology was very very star trek next generation with a with a mixture of twilight zone to it Mm -hmm. wouldn't you agree oh yeah absolutely there's actually a lot of episodes that i always got a little bit of a twilight zone vibe uh, from for, uh, for season one, but yeah, absolutely. This just the whole, like I said, the whole what if situation. It's always been one of my favorite things. You know, they used to have what if comics back in the eighties. I used to read those just to see what would happen in a situation. But also with the episode, you know, it speaks to human tendencies to go towards you know the supernaturalness, obsess on it. But also the message of the episode was kind of like, hey. You know, that's, you know, how we are, but we usually, as, you know, humanity grows, we, you know, improve. So just be patient. It might take longer than your lifetime for things to improve, but it will improve. Now, I understand that it didn't affect Isaac in any real way, but how sad did we all feel for Isaac waiting on that planet for 700 years? Well, really, like, 
Yeah, like Isaac said, oh, you know, 700 years is like, you know, 11 seconds or 700 seconds to me or something like that. And I was like, and of course, we that was the last episode of the season and Isaac came back at the end of the episode. So we weren't really able to dive into it. But of course, he must have learned something living 700 years uh, with a, you know, a humanoid society uh, that was very close to, you know, our own human world to Earth. He must have learned something. That's his job, is to learn about humanity. So his job might be finished. The Kalon <laughs> might, might be done. He, well, that's a really interesting point. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, you know, I was I, I was more scared uh, for Isaac than sad for Isaac, having just had Mark on, like, the week before. <laughs> and him uh, answering the question of um, if he had been invited back for season two yet, didn't have an answer. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, I don't know what I should give away. <laughs> uh, the, every guest we had on was like that. Uh, Larry Joe Campbell, we kept going, hey, we we love the chief engineer. We can't wait to see more of him next season. And he's just like, hmm, <laughs> Yeah. And like uh, the yeah, next I, episode. <laughs> I was pretty bummed about that because I loved his character. And I was really looking forward to, you know, learning more about Chief Newton. And, uh, man, he was taken away too quickly. Um. But back to meta ideology, apparently, I'm going to suggest here that Isaac must have shown them the movie Xanadu because their outfits at the end. <laughs> well, maybe he showed them Superman because they were very, <laughs> they, were, <laughs> they were very close to what uh, uh, Superman's parents were wearing on Krypton. Was it a, a fulfilling se- uh, season finale for you? I mean, they had... They gypped us by one episode. They did gyp us by one episode. It was not fulfilling to me. As much as I love the episode, it's my favorite episode thus far, though the entire season has you know, tons of moments just to fall in love with. It didn't have the, it didn't have the feel of a season finale, nor was it supposed to, because I don't think it was originally supposed to be the season finale. That one actually was. Uh, was it really supposed yeah. to be officially the season finale yeah. really did not feel like it at all episode it was, 12 it was, was the one episode. that they moved oh wow so episode 12 will now be episode 2.1 i'm gonna be interested i mean i know they're saying that the next they've got the episode number we've all seen the screenshot of the the script but it has the number of episode 201 uh are they gonna do that episode first and then drop last season's episode 13 or 12 in or are they going to do episode 12 first and do well i assumed uh and it makes it would make sense to me that episode 12 or the original episode 12 will be the first episode of uh of season two because they have to get rid of because whatever is going on in in that episode isn't going to relate to all the new things that are going to be happening right uh, in the new season new costumes yeah well Mm -hmm. i i from some some details that I do know about it, it could be fairly standalone. So, mm-hmm. well, that's one thing I, I love about uh, the show is they went back to you know being more what is, what's the term serialized? Is that what? No, is that episodic? Episodic, yeah, serialized is what every all the other shows are doing now. Uh, episodic, where you can just watch mostly you can watch any episode in any order and get the gist of it and not feel like you're being you know think you're being left out of something right there's still the a most couple, part 
yeah, there's still a couple little callbacks, which I enjoy, mm-hmm. uh, which helps, you know, uh, intertwine the episodes. But I do enjoy the episodic approach now. It's kind of fresh now because every, everything on every hour dramas or dramedies right now tend to do a serialized thing. I'm yeah, you at, can't you can't jump into into the middle of any show anymore. Yeah, I'm looking at you, Star Trek Discovery. Oh yeah. <laughs> Are people still looking at that? <laughs> I fin I, I finished it. It was all right. <laughs> I don't I don't, I don't it know was all it, right. I don't know if it was great Star Trek, but it was it was it was fun science fiction. Yeah. Um now, my favorite episode of last season was one that they did shuffle around in the schedule, and that was uh, episode three about a girl. Yeah, I love that one. This, I think this is what the episode where the show took a turning point with its fans and built the fan base because everybody went, fuck, this isn't a bunch of dick and fart jokes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. This is something, you know, that's got some meat on the bones. This has got some bite to it, uh, political or social commentary. And it could be the fact that, you know, I'm a relatively new dad. My daughter's two years old. And when I saw that, all I could see was my little girl and what, you know, how I would deal with something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, no way could I manage what, uh, you know, that they went through. On their end, uh, Clytus and Bordis and Clyden. Bordis, Bordis, yeah, Bordis and Clyden. So, as an episode, I mean, it was pretty standard episode as far as storytelling from A to get to point A to B to C, but just that subject matter uh, that traveled that took us from point a to b to c was something really new and really fresh that i was not expecting mm-hmm. from a a seth mcfarland science fiction show yeah that was like you said that was exactly when people realized wait a minute this show's n- not just dick and fart fart jokes it's talking to, it's tackling a serious issue that's going on in society today and but another thing that that episode did was that's also not standard in a dramedy uh, or any you know any show that has comedy in it the ending it ended on a down note and that, that episode it ended with oh they actually went through with the surgery it was all for nothing yeah, and it's like, whoa, we're not going to have all happy endings here on this show. That's, whoa, this show's, you know, that's when a lot of people got the chills. Like, oh, this might be my new favorite show. I had tears. I was crying. Two episodes got me to cry. That one and um, the one with uh, Dr. Finn and her kids and Isaac. Oh, yeah, that was great. Uh, again, kids. And I guess I'm just an old softy now that I'm a dad. It's pathetic. How, how do you do it with it, Mike? How do, how do you just throw your kid out in the wild and let him survive? Just be cold. <laughs> yeah, and it was this episode that, well, I, I think you said on Twitter or Facebook or somewhere, Dan, that it made you cry. And I was like, oh, you know, and I know you are a big softy, but, you know, you don't, you know, you don't just cry at nothing. So um, I knew there had to be something special about it or something, you know, worth checking out. And so that's what made me uh, curious. And so I, I 
binge those first three episodes right away. And, and like you guys are saying, it was just just such a game changer for the whole series. It's, you know, like I enjoyed the first two episodes a lot. They, it was um, a lot of the, the, uh, I don't know, cliches and tropes that I thought were going to be in there were not in there. And it was just a much more fun um, and, uh, and interesting show than I thought. And then bam, this thing came along and just, it's like, Oh man, <laughs> this is actually like really, really good TV. And not just an amusing diversion. Like I thought, Maybe it was turning out to be. I'm curious if the Orville, or let me say when the Orville lasts seven or eight seasons, if every season's going to have that one episode where we go, oh, that's the about a girl episode. Uh, this one had two for me. What was the other one? The one I'm going to talk about. All right, we'll get to that after we uh, talk, to, secret. talk to Joe. <laughs> what episode stood out to for you? Uh, well, I just uh, went with Cupid's Dagger and it stood out because it was basically the uh, the um, reprise of the hilarious Rob Lowhead jizz. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the one it thing was that, one of the funnier episodes. It was one of the funnier episodes and also another aspect of it, it just the fact that uh, Captain Mercer had relations it was just so matter of factly, you know? Yeah. As far as comedy goes, that is probably my favorite comedic scene of the season was, was Ed uh, getting ready for his date with <laughs> Derulio. I, I mean, I seriously, I screamed when he, when he walked through that cloud of cologne <laughs> and then I had to rewind it and watch it again. It was hilarious. What I, what I loved about that episode, besides being a little bit more lighthearted it was a fun episode. It was the Love Boat episode. Whip. We also got introduced, almost introduced to Bordis singing uh, "My Heart right. Will Go On" from Titanic, which was a huge <laughs> letdown when he didn't get to do it. But that episode actually tackles uh, a, a, an issue that we're also dealing with in society: consent. Yeah, we discussed that originally when we discussed that episode. It kind of came out at an awkward time. Mm. It may have, you know been better for it if it come out at a different time but yeah that was that was something that was i don't know if it was originally intended to deal with that subject matter but it definitely came out to where that was that stood out in the episode yeah well when that episode was written and filmed for that matter uh the topic was a little bit more lighthearted as far as society goes but then it was released in 2017 when that was one of the huge topics you know on the tip of everyone's tongue and in hollywood and so they probably didn't mean for it to to come across that way, but it it did. It it was talking about that, and that episode actually was the episode that I personally forgave Kelly. Finally, I got over the whole Kelly cheating on Ed thing once once that happened, and then my uh, whole idea of you know of Kelly's character changed a little bit with that episode, and and she actually now, which I talked about in one of my episodes. Uh, she's one of my favorite. She is my favorite character on the show. Hmm. Michael, don't keep us in suspense anymore, any longer. <laughs> uh, it's majority rule. Um, I just, I, I, that and about a girl are my two favorite episodes of the season. And, um, and majority rule. I, th I think I mentioned this. We talked about it before, but 
like that episode made me so angry in exactly the way that it intended to make me angry. And <laughs> I just, uh, I, I keep thinking about that episode. I keep, it, it's just, uh, you know, I, I'm on, I'm on Twitter quite a bit and I'm, I'm, I look at a lot of social media and, uh, uh just, if, if Reddit were a, uh, an episode of the Orville. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, that was a, a mirror holds up a mirror to society episode. Yeah, yeah, but it just it's it. I don't know that it hasn't really changed my behavior necessarily, but it's 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 made me hate more yourself more. Aware, well, it's made me more aware of like what I will retreat and what I will, um, you know, kind of jump on board and and get angry about. Um, so it just it it has I guess affected my behavior in a way. At least it's affected my thinking where it's kind of like this conscience sitting on my shoulder um, where I'm just I'm uh, even more careful, hopefully, than uh, than I was before about the kinds of things that, uh, um, you know, I kind of put out into the world, especially on the Internet. <laughs> yeah, no more humping statues in public. Yeah, I don't do that anymore at all. Not anymore. But <laughs> um, can film me anyway. <laughs> so moving on. Now, uh, JP, your egotistical fun time, the podcast premiered last week, correct? Correct. Uh, the uh, What was it, Monday of last week? And, and I, uh-huh. I caught the first episode, and on it you discussed, uh, somebody had sent a question asking you how the Star Trek universe exists in the Orville universe. And you said if there's Star Wars, there has to be Star Trek. Oh, yeah, I said a, a few things. I have a, a few uh examples well what they asked was uh do you think i just happen to see the question I, I can't i wish i could read all the the comments i get but i happen to see this one and i was happy i did because it got my brain working and i actually put out uh well i haven't put out the episode yet but i'm working on it they asked do you think star trek exists in the orville universe and i and i right away said yeah it absolutely does uh you know, some people might say it's a theory. Uh, Gravity is a theory, but you're not going to jump off a bridge to test it. Um, okay. I feel that, yes, it absolutely does exist. Uh, my my jokey reason was, well, Star Trek exists because in command performance, Dr. Finn says to Alara, oh, I can't tell you what to do, but I could be your Obi-Wan, which proves that Star Wars exists, and nobody wants to live in a universe where Star Wars exists and Star Trek does not exist. Because when you have a world that where Star Trek doesn't exist, you get shows like Star Trek Discovery, where Star Trek doesn't exist. But my <laughs> my my legit my legitimate example, which I have a few, is uh, we know that um, because episode five Priya, when they're watching an episode of Seinfeld at the beginning of the episode, uh, they're watching an episode of Seinfeld. Okay, great. So Seinfeld exists. Well, if you watch uh, season eight, episode one of Seinfeld, uh, an episode called, I think it's called The Foundation, uh, Jerry and George are having a full-on conversation about the Wrath of Khan, and they're commenting on the Wrath of Khan. So Star Trek exists in Seinfeld, and Seinfeld exists in the Orville universe. Therefore, Star Trek exists in the Orville universe. And I actually have other examples as well. Uh, there, uh, we know that Doctor Who exists uh, in the Orville universe because Captain Mercer 
uh, refers to uh, Doctor Who's TARDIS. And uh, I think it might have been episode 11. I can't quite remember. But he, uh, he, he refers to Doctor Who. Therefore, Doctor Who exists in the Orville universe. Well, Star Trek exists um, many examples in the Doctor Who universe. There's an episode uh, about the silence in Doctor Who. I can't remember exactly what episode that was. It was in the Matt Smith era. Uh, where there's the silence, a, a scary monster, a lady sees the monster, and she goes, oh, is that a mask? Is that a Star Trek thing? Which proves Star Trek exists, but there's actually a lot of examples of Star Trek existing in the Doctor Who universe. So Star Trek exists in the Doctor Who universe, and Doctor Who universe exists in the Orville universe. Star Trek exists in the Orville universe. And Captain Mercer is a fond... Uh, is, is a big fan, a fanatic of Kermit the Frog, who is part of the Muppets. What's part of the Muppets? Pigs in Space. Pigs in Space is a spoof on Star Trek. Therefore, Star Trek exists in the Orville universe. <sighs> there you go. Now, <laughs> are you gentlemen familiar with Tommy Westfall? Mm, I don't think I am. Michael, you got you to know who Tommy Westfall is, correct? Um, a name sounds familiar, but I don't know. I'm old. Yeah, this is it's old. It's it's from the television show Saint Elsewhere. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. The, the all the things are connected. And the final episode of Saint Elsewhere, I, I loved that show back when it was originally on. It's a great show. I wish they would. It, you can find season one on various streaming services, but they don't have any of the other seasons. But the final episode of the show. There's a little boy named Tommy Westfall, and he is staring into a snow globe. And we get we walk away from the series assuming that everything that happened in the show happened in Tommy Westfall's mind, his imagination. Wasn't he like an autistic kid or something like that? Yes. And St. Elsewhere, had the show had actual crossovers with shows like Homicide, Life on the Street, Cheers, Scrubs a few others so it's kind of like a seven degrees of kevin bacon on how you can find how saint elsewhere connects to a show and i'm looking staring right now i'm staring at a, this chart that looks like it's some sort of you know quantum physics complicated thing but and it, this supposedly takes place in the same, you know, not in the same universe. So I was wondering, is the Orville, you know, a figment of Tommy Westfall's imagination? And it is because St. Elsewhere crossed over with Cheers, which obviously crossed over with the show Frasier, which crossed over, had something to do with the John Larroquette show, which dealt with Star Trek Next Generation. And there you have your Star Trek connection right there. Yeah, the difference though is like all these things are pop culture in the in the world of the Orville, right? Like we don't you don't actually have like Sam Malone showing up on the bridge of the Orville, like like some of these other shows. You actually had characters. Like yeah, you had the character. Yeah, the characters crossed over. Um, and then I found the Seinfeld connection to Saint Elsewhere, but now staring at this chart, I've seemed to have lost it again. So, <laughs> but I, there is a connection there as well. So. X, I, I know like the show X-Files is a big part of it. And and then again, but X-Files crossed over with Cops, which is a reality show. So that means our, our actual reality is part of Tommy Westfall's 
universe or imagination. So there you have it. All right. Good night. But, <laughs> but um, yeah, when we're bored and we're ready for another podcast, Michael, I think we should explore Tommy Westfall's universe. Uh, yeah, sounds like a good idea. <laughs> the Snow Globe, the podcast. <laughs> so what do we know about season two? We know that Cheryl? Scott is extremely excited about it. How do we know that? Because Scott posted a video of him dancing on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> also talked to him just a little bit, but he's like, "I'm getting paid." Yeah. Um, yeah, and they've had their first table read. We saw some pictures, and we got a little. Uh, again, I got to give credit to JP here. He found out the name of one of the new of one of the new characters, Chris Johnson's character. Correct. I did. Thanks. Well, thanks to Jay Lee, who plays John Lamar. He posted a video on Twitter about the the reading, and there was just a little bit more, you know, information in the frame than he probably meant there to be, and you know, you could freeze frame a lot of stuff. Uh, but sitting across from him at the table read, because all the actors have, you know, a little placard, you know, well, folded piece of paper basically with their name on it and their character's name, where you know where they're supposed to sit. But sitting across from him, there, there's a little sign. That says Chris Johnson, and underneath the character name Cassius, C A S S I U S. And I do talk about the that a little bit um, in my podcast, which I actually released about an hour ago. But there's actually no more information than I'm giving you now, so don't worry about listening to that stupid thing. Just listen to this one. Uh, yeah, he plays a character named Cassius, C A S S I U S. What that means, I have no idea. That name is uh, is uh, has Roman origins, and but that that doesn't mean anything at this point. He's not going to be a series regular. I suppose he's going to be a recurring character. That's what I read as well. Yeah, I didn't. He just might be someone that shows up once in a while. Maybe he's you know a a, a bandit that they come across. They're Harvey Mud. Yeah, <laughs> and he becomes a pal that shows up and he helps them get deals. <laughs> From merchants in the quadrant or something like that. You never know. I sort of mentioned that to our contact on the show. And he just kind of, oh, okay. Things you things you learn. All right, move along. So <laughs> so there you have that. Um, and how many episodes are we getting, Joe? Uh, apparently we were getting 14. And they're starting to film them uh, Monday. Which Monday. is probably when this is going to be coming out. The, the February 26th. The uh, shooting starts on the Orville season two. And the other, we've already mentioned Chris Johnson, but there's another new cast member. Jessica Zor. I know who, nothing uh, about her. Other than uh, well, I look, I saw well, I, in your video, JP. Yeah, I did a video. I did an episode all about her on Sunday. Um, Jessica Zor. She was, she's an actress. She's in her early thirties. She's from, uh, Wisconsin. I think she's from Milwaukee. Uh, she was on. She's been on a bunch of TV shows, a few movies. She was not on my radar, uh, but she's you know she was on a show called uh, Complications, which was on USA, maybe perhaps. You a, Michael, you had a Complications podcast, didn't you? Yeah, it, it was complicated. No. <laughs> um, and are, how how convinced are you joe that it's shows going to premiere in september i've heard it i've heard it from a couple of places from from people who will remain nameless <laughs> but 
Um, they they seem to they seem to think it's going to start in September. We're talking about starting to book uh, for season two guests, and um, but obviously there are no solid dates yet. Nobody knows the date, but it really looks like if it's if if it's going to start around the same time as season one did. Sorry about that, guys. Um, is that your bridge dog? It is. Do we think that the show might be moving to another night? Because isn't Fox going to start having Thursday night NFL football? They are. So that that's a yeah. Not. Yeah. I would imagine yeah. they would have to switch nights. What night works out best for you? It better not be Friday because that's when we record. Hmm. <laughs> Good question. They could put it on Sundays again. Um, so yeah, we were set to record last week, um, but I had a little field trip and, um, I actually went up and walked on the very sets of the Orville. Uh, big thanks to Tom Castantino for that. He got me onto the lot and I got to tell you guys, it was what I can tell you. It's pretty fucking awesome. (laughs) Um, there was, they were being repainted, reconstructed, so things were kind of torn up a little bit. You know, I couldn't sit in any of the chairs because they weren't there. They were moved off to the side. Um, but I was, I mean, I was in the engine room. I was in the bridge. I was in Ed, Captain Mercer's quarters. I was in uh, sick bay. I was not in the, in the um, galley or the mess hall or whatever it's called. I think they refer to it as a mess hall. Um, I saw the shuttlecraft, and it was uh, pretty neat. And I got an opportunity to uh, visit the post-production offices, and you know, met some of the guys doing the visual designs and the visual effects there. Uh, Luke McDonald, Brandon Fayette, uh, Brian Rogers, who's a property master, who happens to be a big fan of egotistical fun time, and. What? John amazing. <laughs> and John Kassar, who's uh, directed an episode last season and is new executive producer on board. And I got to tell you, the guys, everybody there was super nice. Um, they were super appreciative of the fans, and which I find, I'm not going to say refreshing, but reassuring is what I'm looking for. The people making the Orville really do appreciate their fans. Not just us doing the podcast, but everybody who's on Twitter, everybody who's on Facebook, everybody who talks about it. And they just the guy, even the people working, designing ships and adding little details to, you know, the Orville, like the Orville is going to have a little more texture on it this time. That's the kind of stuff I was learning. Um, that's pretty much all I can tell you. Uh, but so I've, if you're listening to this and you're a fan of the Orville, you can take with you that they do love and appreciate um, their fans. And I'm just not talking about the actors who post about it on social media saying, hey, great fans. We can't wait to see you at the Pally Fest and all that sort of stuff. I mean, I'm talking about the people, the grunts who are nutting and bolting the episodes together. So as long as we keep loving the show, I think there's going to be – there's. Gonna, they're going to keep having the Orville. 
That's amazing because a lot of people love the show. I can tell you because of my because of my Twitter, the way it's set up, it is unbelievable. And I have nothing to do with the show except for that I talk about it every week on YouTube. Uh, people are talking about the Orville all day, every day. It is non-stop, and it's just amazing. People are saying, "Oh, I just discovered it. I love it." Uh, oh, it's my new favorite show. I gave it a chance. And there's a couple dicks that are like, oh, I don't like it. Star Trek Discovery is better. But those are few and far between. People are loving the show. I think because of that excitement, which doesn't happen often, not so quickly for a show, this is going to be a big deal. This is going to be a Comic-Con thing. This is going to be, you know, toys. This is going to be, you know simulcast it's going to you know be playing in reruns you know we're going to get all of that and it's exciting to be there right off the bat and you can actually see it forming uh, i agree michael joe i also agree <laughs> we are all in agreement for the greater good <laughs> <laughs> all right so um we we may eventually have a second episode of Ensign Henson. We may. Uh, our main star is rather busy. Brandon Carr, who 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 plays Ensign Henson, uh, he's got a really hectic schedule right now, and it also could be the fact that the uh, lazy writer of the series hasn't finished the script for it yet either. Um, but yeah, Ensign Henson's still in the works. We will try to have a couple more episodes to help ease the pain of no new Orville episodes on TV until this fall. So stay tuned for that. Uh, we had a successful giveaway on Twitter for the World of the Orville book um, through Titans. And it turns out we have a couple extra copies, so we're going to at least give away one, maybe two, um, on our Facebook page. We don't know how we're going to do that yet, but if you're listening now, go and like at least the Planetary Union Network Facebook page. And eventually, sometime next week or so, we'll have uh, the um, information on how you can win a copy of The World of the Orville book by Jeff Bond. How's that sound to you guys? I just, I'm just throwing that out at you. Michael and Joe, you agree? It sounds great. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I figure let's give the, some love to the Facebook people. Mm-hmm. Um, and Joe. Uh, yeah, so how I uh, I teased this a few minutes ago, but we are already, we, we never really stop, I guess, uh, booking guests through the off season, and we're getting things lined up for season two. Got a lot of great guests in the, in the queue, just <laughs> as usual, but... Potentially some really huge things, which I've yeah, also teased in previous episodes. If you guys thought we had some pretty nifty guests the first episode, you're definitely going to want to tune in as we get into season two of the Orville uh, this fall. Because I think, uh, like I said, I mean, we're getting a little chummier with the crew and the cast and the people behind the scenes. So things are looking good for Planter Union Network podcast. They are. And I, in our in 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 our show notes here, I've got a little. I don't know how far we want to go into this thing, but speaking of getting in with <laughs> cast and crew, we might be able to give you a little more inside information that you will not find anywhere else. Because um, uh, 
we got these people fooled. They like us. <laughs> All right, wrap it up. Bring us home, Joe. All right. So as usual, follow us on Twitter at Planetary Union. Or sorry, that's at Planetary underscore Union, right? What is our t- Twitter? I fucking can't remember at now. At Planetary underscore Union. All right. Um, and also at Orville Observer and at Ensign M. Henson and on Facebook at just Planetary Union Network. And follow uh, follow, uh, follow JP's Egotastic Fun Time. What's your Twitter? Give Again. us everything, JP. All right, let's see. Here we go. <gasps> All right, you can find me at Egotastic Fun Time on Twitter at Egotastic FT. You can also the big the big thing the big property is the YouTube channel Egotastic Fun Time, uh, or just you know search Talking to Orville. It'll bring you right there. It'll bring you to the stuff that you'd want to see if you want to see it at all. And uh, that's enough. Oh, check out the new Egotastic Fun Time podcast. New episode just came out an hour ago. It's on SoundCloud and iTunes and everywhere podcasts are podcasted. And And that's enough. If you've seen (laughs) Egotastical Fun Time and are talking to Orville on your Twitter feed and you just haven't checked it out yet because you're really not sure what the hell it is or JP kind of scares you. Um, check it out. It is good, funny stuff. It's um, super funny. Yeah. Oh, he's, thank God, I try. We, it's, it's a kick in the pants. It's a, it's a good, um, alternative to what we offer you guys. It's much funnier. <laughs> 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 All right. Um, again, thank you very much, JP. Uh, we appreciate thank you. you. And we will talk to all of you Orville fans soon. Keep on hugging those donkeys. Fuck, I hate that. <laughs> <laughs> you knew I was going to throw that in there somewhere. <laughs> you will be silent. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I got to have ready the next time. <laughs> All right, well, again, thank you, JP, for joining us. Bye, everybody. Yeah. Night. Good night.